This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. You're listening to A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. Welcome, this is A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast show with Andrea and Alice. Our community is made up of so many amazing and diverse groups of people, as are the programs in Joy 94.9. There is something there for everyone. A Little Pot of Joy is where we highlight just some of these amazing programs. Firstly, we've been inspired by NADOC Week, which ran from the 5th to the 12th of July this year. To start our program, we with an acknowledgement of country. We'd like to show our respect and acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land, of elders past and present of the Kulin Nation, whose land we are broadcasting from today. We're opening the evening with a podcast from Backseat S&M. The Black Arm Band is a Melbourne-based Indigenous performance company which is celebrating its 10th birthday this year. General Manager Anna Jacobs jumped in the backseat with Michael and Fiona to talk about the organisation, especially as Australia is celebrating NIDOC Week. And if you missed the show this week, podcasts are available for download from the Joy website, joy.org.au forward slash backseat. This is A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. Now, we have something very uh, special in our backseat with us, don't we, Fiona? We, we do. Now, it is NADOC week, as I mentioned earlier in the show, which uh, is a week that we celebrate our Indigenous culture in Australia. Yes. And uh, we have a very special guest from the Black Arm Project, Anna Jacobs, our general, the general manager. Now, Anna, you're, the Black Arm Project's in the same building as us, is that... Yes, we're on level two of the city village. You're on level two. There's some exciting things going on in this building. But yeah, there's exciting projects. So we're really getting to know our neighbours by having you up here, which is fantastic. So, Anna, can you tell us a little bit about the Black Arm Project and what what it's all about and how it all started? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, Black Arm Band, we're coming into our 10th year now, which is really exciting. So next October... Black Arm Band turns 10. Basically, the group came together to celebrate contemporary protest songs about the Aboriginal experience, struggle, triumphs and life. So our first production, Murundak, brought together a lot of the pioneers of contemporary Indigenous music all together on one stage with the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra. Wow. And that show, Murundak, was so well received that it went on to tour around Australia and then internationally wow. and has also toured a lot to remote Aboriginal communities. So following on from the success of Murundak, Black Arm Band produced more shows, Hidden Republic and then Dirt Song. Yep. And yeah, we're going 10 years strong now and we've toured all over Australia, all over remote to <laughs> all over remote Australia and also internationally to the UK, wow. North America. Uh, and to Asia last year for the first time. So it's so fantastic that it's that it's all been that well received. Is, is speaking, speaking of NADOC Week, is there um, events going on for NADOC Week at all or any performances going on? So we don't have anything planned for NADOC Week um, except celebrating it. Yeah. But a lot of the artists who perform with Black Arm Band have different things happening this week. I know Emma Donovan has a very a fabulous tour happening all up and down the east coast and also some stuff in wa fantastic uh so yeah there's a lot of different people getting out and doing things in, as individuals as well now what sort of indigenous performers and musicians and artists do you have involved in 
some of the projects that you've got going on. We'll talk about some of the yeah. exciting projects you've got too. Well, I think the most exciting thing about Black Arm Band is the range of different artists that we work with. So we work with Indigenous artists and uh, non-Indigenous artists and our artists come from all four corners of the country. So from as far as Manangrida, which is at the very top of... I'm going um, there in two weeks' oh, time. it's fabulous. I'll put you in touch with some people oh, to great. catch up with. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, what are you doing there? Um, my partner has a friend that, that's living there. I've been living yeah. there for the last few years, so we're going hiring a four-wheel drive. Show off. I know. How's are that you... for a name-dropping? Um, hiring a four-wheel drive and popping out there. So, Are you driving there from Darwin? Yes, yeah. So you're doing all the river crossings? Yeah, well, my friend's going to come out and meet us and help us through those. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> apparently they're a little bit challenging. Yeah, well, we just did a tour out to... Um, we just did a remote community tour throughout May and June. And if you have a look on the Black Arm Band Facebook, you'll see footage of our production truck very precariously making its way across one of, I think, 20 rivers that needed to cross to get to Manangrida. So, Wow. I'm very excited. Hannah, the, the, the project has been around for a while. The, the company has been around for a while. You've done a lot of shows and a lot of, you've really touched a whole lot of people. What's, how important have you found the company to be in its work uh, throughout the last you know, few years or so? Yeah, I think what we hear time and time again is the value that people get out of the experience of seeing Black Armband. For a lot of people, for a non-Indigenous audience, a lot of people find a show, well, a music production, a really good way to connect with and understand parts of Indigenous culture that they may not have previously understood. So we get a lot of, I guess, um, a gratitude response from our audiences, and that's here and internationally. And then the other great thing that Black Arm Band does is it provides incredible professional opportunities for a range of different Indigenous artists that complements the work that they do in their solo careers. So we really see Black Arm Band working alongside artists' work in their bands or as solo artists and this is really just another dimension to create more opportunities and networks and really great professional and personal development opportunities so yeah there's lots and lots of good things that we can draw out of it mm. as well as it being really entertaining yeah and what speaking of entertaining what sort of um performances and, and things have you got coming up so we've just completed a remote community tour so we took out the major production dirt song to four indigenous communities across the northern territory so we're just in the process of wrapping up everything there at the moment and then the next big thing that we're doing is a tour to singapore and taipei wow in august so yes so that's exciting for us in 2014 was the first time that we toured to asia and how is it received in asia is there a good understanding of indigenous culture there or is it a new experience for them yeah, so it's it's a very it was a very new experience for them, contemporary indigenous music. So we use different methods to build ways into the show that local audiences could connect. So what we actually did was we took a Chinese folk song, Love Song of Kanding, and we used the melody and then we wrote indigenous lyrics in Yalanji and Gumbangia, well not me, two of our artists, that were along the same lines as the theme of the original song. So that was a really, including that melody with the 
language was a really good way, um, an entry point for those audiences to connect with and understand the content of the work, which is about connection. Well, that show specifically, which is was about connection to place. I love it. That's amazing. Mm. Mm, very interesting. Is there any performances coming up in Melbourne that we can pop along to coming Don't up? currently have anything coming up in Melbourne in the next little while, but we are working on a new production, which is very in its planning stage, so I can't tell it tell you anything about <laughs> it right oh, now but keep Secrets. your eye out for, well, maybe um, we'll get you back back on once we yeah. know what uh, once it's all we'll definitely out in the in, open yeah we'll come in and talk to you once um once we have more to report there but yes a new major work is in development at the moment so that's really exciting mm, maybe we, we can follow you on uh facebook and the yes like. we have all the we have all the social media connections. So we've got our Facebook, which is the Black Arm Band, Twitter, which is the Black Arm Band, and we're on Instagram as well. Wow. If you want to catch the vids so and photos to stay of on top all of all the news and what's coming up, you can follow on the on the media. All over the place. On the book of face. And you can also go to blackarmband.com.au. And all the details will be online, of course, for us at joy.org.au slash backseat. We're really excited about our tour to Singapore and Taipei and we're offering we've launched a competition as of today which is really exciting and you can win if you donate money to Black Armband to support us in all our great work uh, so a donation of $20 or more between now and the 9th of August puts you in the running to win a trip for two to Singapore including two flights and accommodation and two VIP tickets to see our show on Friday the 22nd of August at the Singapore International Arts Festival and all you need to do is to donate $20 or more and you can do that through our website. And tax deductible. It's tax deductible, oh, yes, it is. I love it. <laughs> love it. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for coming in, Anna. Yeah, and really so appreciate you coming me. in for the chat. And uh, good luck with the uh, the tour of Singapore and Taipei. My goodness. Perks of the job. I know. Blackarband.com.au is a place to go. Thank you, Anna, for, for popping in. You're listening to A Little Pot of Joy on Joy 94.9 with Alice and Andrea. Up next from last week's Triple Threat, Taxis, Cakes and Hot AFL Players. Christina and James talk about the big party fails and the team talk about what shouldn't happen in a car. (laughs) Sounds interesting. So if you just can't listen to the show live, download the podcast from the Joy website, joy.org.au or the iTunes store. You're listening to A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. There has been some breaking news. Breaking news. Crossing over to you, Chris. Cabbies in thongs bust. Careless cab drivers wearing Crocs, sandals and thongs have been busted by police at Melbourne Airport. <gasps> About 300 cabs were checked with 60 warnings issued for minor uniform breaches. Okay, the rest is... <laughs> <laughs> That's all you need to know. Crocs, sandals and thongs. I'm so, And we're asking, what other things should uh, people driving cars, cabbies be banned from doing so uh, out of 300 cab drivers 60 were given warnings and 35 were giving penalties for wearing crocs i have i have a feeling those hideous plastic shoes with the holes i have a feeling the warnings would have been given to those in thongs or jandals and then the fines would have been given to the ones in the plastic shoes with holes what's a jandal that's a new zealand term for a thong james oh right it's like a flip-flop yes okay what, what's flip-flop? Where does that originate from? 
I think America, because they prefer not to say thong. Yeah, no, they can't say thongs in America because it means the G string. Yeah, thong song. Yes, of course. Thong, thong, Like a wind to be go. Yeah, that's a great song. Good one, Cisco. Yes, so I think this is, is it just a uniform breach? Or because I have a feeling it's illegal to drive a car in thongs. It is 100% illegal to drive in thongs. Do you know that there was a crack? So I live near the beach and the police were cracking down on people getting into their cars from the beach during summer with thongs on. <gasps> with thongs on. Gosh. You can drive in bare feet though. Yes, what? you can. You're supposed to take oh, thongs off. Oh, what? So you can drive in bare feet but not with thongs? Yeah. As well, to the reason you can do this, James, is because the thongs will get stuck, causing you to possibly lose control of the vehicle, therefore causing accidents or injury on the road. Oh, Much safer to drive in bare feet than a non-stable <laughs> pair of footwear like thongs. I wasn't aware Judith Lucy was with us all of a sudden. <laughs> Thank you, James. So tell me, are these uh, It's my driving instructor voice. Oh, it's uh, very similar to your Judith Lucy voice. <laughs> so these hideous plastic shoes, which will remain under name that have those hideous holes and they're just Mm. I can't stand them is that the same principle because they seem and I can't believe I'm defending them here Mm. slightly more safe yes that they've got that that back strap you know yeah (laughs) what do you say driving instructor James I think that's more (laughs) well Christina I think that's more of an issue for the fashion police than the actual (laughs) proper police but they're unsafe because they may distract passengers and may cause them to hit the driver. That's true. That's true. If I do see someone wearing those shoes, I, I get out. <laughs> <laughs> too distracted. I get out. What? You're wearing those? Tuck and roll. But you know what? It's not fair because a lot of girls, and I'm, def- I'm one of them, mm. wear such inappropriate footwear, like driving massive heels. I don't drive in heels because I can't because I'm not a great driver. Okay. But such, you know, stiletto heels that could very easily get caught, and that's not illegal. Yet thongs are. Tell me, riddle me that, boys. I have no idea. I've not worn heels in my life. <laughs> never, <laughs> surprise, never, surprise. Never driven in a stiletto? No. <laughs> we are talking things to ban in cars because there has been a ban on ugly shoes with holes, thongs and sandals for taxi drivers and people and the police have been pulling them up at pulling the Melbourne up. Airport. Melbourne Airport. Checking their footwear. I wonder if the same thing is um, appropriate for the app drivers. Ah, correct. Mm. Yeah. What are the people saying? The people are saying a lot. Mm-hmm. Steve from Thornbury, driving without deodorant could be illegal. <laughs> yes. For the taxi drivers. Absolutely. I also think <laughs> yep. getting on public transport without public without deodorant also should yes. be illegal. And and I had a taxi driver once who had just had a curry and then I got in the car and he had the plastic still there, like the container. Didn't smell great in that confined space. Mm, so just odours in general. Yeah, just any odour. Yeah. We also had Peter from Thornbury who said that bobble heads should be illegal. <laughs> yep. You know those little things that you push their head and they're like, bruh, 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 like they've got the spring. Because they're distracting and they're fun? Why? No, because they're just ugly. Oh, they are not. Yep. You can have endless hours of fun with a bobble head. I don't know. Can I? I guess I've had endless hours of fun as a bobblehead. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> too early. 717, too early, too early. Um, Debbie from Altona said, and this one is particularly upsetting for me, 
the, the magic happens stickers should be banned. Yes, yes. The what stickers? Magic happens. Magic happens. <laughs> Hippies. The hippie stickers. Yeah. And my no. first car, I had one. My mum bought it for me. No. I was one of those. My mum bought it for me when I got my car, and I had it for eight years. <laughs> Until like only a couple of years ago. And like when I first got it, I was like, I freaking love this sticker. Yeah, magic happens. And then I got into like year five, about like five years in. And I was like, I don't even really understand what this sticker means. Like what? What do you mean magic happens? Why is it on my car? It was all a bit. Anyway. I was, you know what I would also like to ban? And it's those family stickers. Oh, yes. Where it's got, like, the members of the family as little stick figures on the back window. Because <laughs> this one oh time, God, like, too, too often, I see, and it's usually in the other suburbs, where, um, <laughs> or, like, Just the mum... laughing at his reaction. ...is, like, there's, like, a cross out of, like, yeah. the dad. Oh. <laughs> like, someone's been crossed oh, out. Oh, like, they've broken up. Yeah. <laughs> It's like cross out of family member. Or the dog, because the dog's dog. Oh, you can't, you can never cross out the dog. <laughs> I like dog. those stickers, but I don't feel good about crossing them. No, you can't cross out the dad just because he's cheated on them. <laughs> well, yeah. you're jumping to assumptions now, James. <laughs> was, was there a little pile of his clothes stickers next to him as well? Yeah, and, and a mobile phone like being thrown against the window. Text messages and like yeah. a, another woman on the other side. Yeah, <laughs> The Ooh. mistress. Just like a little stick figure pointing <laughs> to someone else. Uh, poor uh, Tiger Woods. Uh-huh. <laughs> we are talking cooking fails. Cooking fails. So to be able to have a fail, you have to actually cook. So that gets, what does that Exclude Jess? Yeah, I, th- I think so. What do you cook? Do you cook anything? Yeah, I cooked a beautiful uh, penne bolognese last night. Mm. Anyone can cook bolognese, can't they? Oh, yeah, but if you one. say it with an accent, penne bolognese, it sounds better. It's <laughs> true. So I came across the most amazing cooking fail. It's specifically more a baking fail. Uh, family in America. Uh, so do you guys know all about how amazing Frozen is, the movie? Uh, yes, I'm only human slash gay. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I've watched it about four times, cried every time. I have, um, I've got the soundtrack if you want to borrow it. They had a sing-along the other day at um, cinemas in South Yarra, but I had a party. God love school holidays. Gosh. Anyway, do you, have you seen Frozen? Yeah, I've seen Frozen. Things awesome. Olaf's hilarious. Oh. He's just the the altruistic snowman. Yes. Yes, Mm. he is. You'd play a great Olaf. Mm. Yeah. You're with your little button head. So <laughs> the main character, well, it's Anna, but everyone loves Elsa, which I don't agree with because Anna is the strong woman. So mm. she should really be the one that everyone's, you know, trying to be like. But anyway, Elsa's the main beautiful one that everyone loves. The Wait, blonde one. Sorry. <laughs> which one sings Let It Go? That's that's El- Elsa. Elsa. The one in the castle. The white hair, yes. Okay, yeah. Yes. Yes. Anyway. Anna is the one that all the little girls want to be like because she has the big, beautiful blue dress. Oh, and the boyfriend. No, 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 no. How many times have you seen Frozen? And do you want to come over and watch it again? I can't remember women's (laughs) names. Well, that's another whole problem. (laughs) Anyway, so Elsa, there's been like Elsa fever and everyone's got the dresses and if you have any type of small children around you, you will know all about it. So there was a family in America who for a six-year-old birthday party, they ordered a cake of Elsa. Now, it was a big, beautiful um, statue of her looking quite quite similar to how she looks in the movie. Pretty damn funny. Mm. But what they got was an epic 
party fail, I would say. An epic party fail. So the the cake, it's really hard to explain on radio, so I'm going to pop it up on our website, mm. on our um, Facebook and our Twitter. But the cake they got was pretty much the worst thing I've ever seen. Look, I'm going to say what it was. They ordered Elsa, they got Donatella Versace. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the descriptions of Elsa here. The baker had replaced the Ice Queen's flowing white blonde locks with clumpy yellow icing and her perfectly preened eye makeup was smudged and dark around her terrifying eyes, which left her looking twice her age. She also has quite a huge gap between her eyes, which is quite terrifying, actually. Oh, they are terrifying in anyone. It's too much of a gap. So we're going to post it. Find us on Twitter, Joy Triple Threat, and on Facebook, Joy Triple Threat. Tell us what you think. Because if I got this, I'd pretty much throw it at the cake baker. And we are talking party fails because there is a cake that was baked and it wasn't fully baked. <laughs> there, there is a cake. So we've just now posted a face, uh, picture on our Facebook and Twitter. Joy Triple Threat on both Facebook, Facebook and Twitter. Sorry, I can't speak. Um, girl's birthday party. She's turning six. She orders an Elsa cake from Frozen. She gets a... Monstrosity. The baker was baked. The, ba- <laughs> the baker was baked. It's pretty much the worst thing ever. And she doesn't even have the right colour hair. Like, Elsa's all about her white locks. This chick has, like, yellow. I don't know. It's, it's horrid. How do you make? I guess you can make white icing. Yeah. It's on character. How cakes. do you make? These people are professional bakers. This is their job. Maybe it's an apprentice who didn't go through You're school. fired. You're on Joy 94.9. This is a little pot of joy with Andrea and Alice. Up next from Pets Aloud, moving with pets. Relocating overseas can be an exciting and rewarding experience, but when you're planning a big move, we have to consider, of course, our family's needs, including the needs of our furry family members. Taking pets overseas requires careful planning, preparation and a specialised vet check. On this edition of Pets Aloud, the team talk about what you need to do when planning to move overseas with your faithful friend. It seems like a big job, but the Pets Aloud team really lay it out for you. And if you'd like to listen to the full podcast, you can download it from the Joy website, joy.org.au, or the iTunes store. This is A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. Hello, Joyces, and welcome to this week's edition of Joy's very own show about pets. I'm Sam, and today joining me in the studio is the lovely Kate Holter. Kate, hello. Hi, Sam. Now, today we're going to be talking about relocating pets overseas, and this can be a really exciting experience. But when planning a big move, we have to not only consider our family needs, but also the needs of our pets too. For many of us, our pets are an important part of our family. So if you're planning the big move abroad or interstate or for any length of time, there's a good chance that your pets will make up a very big and important part of your travelling entourage. Relocating a pet overseas does actually require very careful planning, preparation and a specialised vet chat. Joining us is Dr Al Latch, the lovely Dr Al Latch, veterinarian and Australian Government accredited vet at the Frank Samways Vet Clinic at the Lost Dogs Home. Al, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure, thank you. Now, you're an Australian Government accredited vet, that's such a mouthful. Um, can, you tell us, <laughs> can you tell us a bit about what that is and why do pet owners need to visit you if they are going to move overseas with their pet? Sure. So being an AAV or an Australian accredited vet means that I've completed further courses 
um, basically courses that mean I qualify to prepare animals for export. Um, and, yeah, only vets who have done these, these courses are allowed to do the process. So unfortunately, owners are limited to only going to see these particular vets. And then, yeah, we're, we're able to really break it all down for them, give them all the information they need to start the process. So could you give us a, a bit of an overview then on what happens during an Equus accredited vet consultation? Sure. So, well, the first one's really the big one. During that first appointment, you know, we'll really start to break down exactly everything they need to do themselves at home in preparation, but also all the steps we're going to have to take. So the appointments we're going to have to make, the vaccines and treatments the animal's going to need um, in order to prepare them for the move. So when booking in an appointment, um, what information do they need to sort of pass on to you perhaps prior and also maybe even bring along uh, with them for the consultation as well? I can imagine like it would depend upon where they're travelling to. Uh, Definitely. Yeah, there'll be lots yeah. of lots of different variables, I would say, I guess. So. Yeah, you're spot on. So it's not an easy process really no. every single country has their own rules and processes. So... When they're making that appointment, uh, we really do need to know exactly where they're going, yeah. um, when they're going, so how much time we have to work yeah. with, <laughs> yeah. uh, and also a bit of information about their pet, so their age, their breed, that really is the main stuff. And then in terms of what to bring, any paperwork, so anything they've got on the animal, so past vaccine certificates, microchip details, all that kind of stuff is useful. Um, and in some cases, if they've got the original vaccine certificates, for example, we, we yeah. may be able to um, use that, so we might not need to do another vaccine. Whereas if you don't have paperwork, unfortunately, the process is so strict, we, you know, we'll have to do it all again. So, yeah. do you, do you, so there's probably a little bit of research for you involved as well, like before they come in, or maybe or just yes. recapping. and. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, you know, if it's a country I have dealt with before, it's a bit easier. Yeah. Because in a lot of cases, especially if it's the same type of animal, it's, you know, can, it'll be all the same. However, yeah, if it's a new country... Um, or a less commonly travelled to country, it all the process begins again. So yeah. yeah, but that just keeps it more fun and interesting for me. Yeah, yeah nice. <laughs> no, I could imagine from from both ends there'd be a fair amount of research involved um, mm. in order to get you know a pet accredited yeah. and over the line. Yeah, definitely. Mm. What would be the ideal like time lead time, Al? Like, so if you're thinking about it, like how far ahead would you you know need to plan? Do you think? Uh, look, ideally, I think at least six months is great right. because it really means that almost any country they're going to, that's enough time to deal with. But having said that, you know, I don't want owners to stress because with some countries, you need far less. So if they're even thinking about it, the best thing is just to give us a call. But six months would be amazing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Al, thank you so much for taking the time. It's been actually really interesting talking to you. I've learned a lot. We really appreciate your time talking to us today on Pets Aloud. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, thanks, so. thanks Al. Bye. Bye. So if you would like to find out more about the Frank Samways Vet Clinic, visit dogshome.com um, backslash vet clinic. If you would like to make an appointment, maybe um, with our lovely Dr. Al, you can contact the clinic on 9329-2755. Now, travelling anywhere new can be a big adventure and bringing our beloved pets with us can add to the experience. Up next, we are talking to Julia about her big move to San Francisco and find out why she decided to bring her beloved Beagle Optimus Prime with her. Now, six years ago, Julia adopted her beloved Beagle with a fabulous name of Optimus Prime uh, from the Lost Dogs Home in North Melbourne. Since uh, his 
Adoption Optimus has been a very key part of Julia's life and has been there for a number of special events, including her engagement and marriage. So when Julia and her husband decided to move from Melbourne to San Francisco for a new adventure, it didn't take them long to decide that Optimus Prime would come with them. Earlier this week, we caught up with Julia to find out why she decided to take Optimus Prime with her to the land of fog and fabulousness. husband made the decision to pack up and move over to San Francisco. Was it a tough decision for you to bring Optimus Prime with you? Well, he was always going to come with us. And I guess one of the reasons why I actually landed in San Francisco was he was part of that decision process. So we kind of originally decided we were going to move overseas and do like a student overseas for our careers. And we kind of assessed a whole bunch of areas. And like the first thing, any time we can I husband who's tossed up where we might go. The first thing I did was research what the quarantine rules were for dogs and, you know, what it would take to get them there. So the US just ended up being a really easy area when looking at Asia and I just was like worried about him there with like the climate. So we ended up choosing the US. Tell me uh, a bit about what you had to do to bring Optimus Prime overseas with you? Yeah, so I did, like, actually, it wasn't as difficult as I thought it would be. In Melbourne, there's two vets in particular that actually specialise in, like, preparing animals to make a move overseas, and one just happened to be around the corner from me, which was awesome. So I, I just made an appointment with him. I, I, don't, I don't think we'd even decided where we were going to go yet, but I just wanted to be informed. So I, I went and saw him and he like gave me all this information and he told me if he had you know, preferred pet carriers that he would recommend to me and preferred airlines that we should go with. And like, he just kind of laid it all out for me, which made it really easy and like made me feel like confident about his move. How did Optimus handle the journey over to San Francisco? Was it like a big adventure for him? Um, I think it was. So I felt confident that he'd be okay on a flight because he'd actually flown to Perth and back a few times. So he's like done some you know, like in-flight time. Um, and so when we got to San Francisco, I, I guess I mean, it was obviously a really big journey for him, but I was confident that he could do it because I know his personality really well. Um, and when we landed on the ground, he pretty much cleared customs before I did. Um, and yeah, um, as soon as we opened up like his little crate, he just like bounced out of it and was, like his normal self. I mean, he just loves it over here. The climate's perfect for him here because it's like a lot cooler for him. So yeah, he's having a great time. We live in this, this um, dog-friendly apartment and. He has all these friends here and, and he gets to come everywhere with us too, which is especially like quite very special for us. So yeah, he's having a great time. Do you have any advice for anyone wanting to do something similar? Yeah, so I think just researching all your options is a huge help. I did that and it made me feel a lot more confident about making the move with him. There was no he would ever like, go back or we would leave him behind or leave him with someone else. Like, he was always coming with us. So that's why when we decided to move, I just like did a whole bunch of research to make sure it would work for him as well. 
that was Julia talking about her move from Melbourne to San Francisco with her beloved beagle Optimus Prime and a credit to Incomp Tech for the track um, that we used for that interview. <laughs> Great. Now, Optimus Prime is just one of a number of dogs and cats adopted from the home who have moved overseas with their owner. Another lucky uh, dog is Pepper, who's made the moved to somewhere I actually like to live as well in New York City with her owners Matt and Milo she's been quite a hit over there and then we also have a cat called Possum who lives in London and actually I fostered a dog for a lady who was moving to Japan so Coolabar now lives in Japan who's from Lost Dogs Home so we have Lost Dogs Home adoptees living all around the world. It's fantastic isn't it and it it, it shows as well that it is doable to you know get your pet prepared and transport them over overseas that you don't necessarily have to leave them behind behind when you're moving. And how fabulous Lost Dogs home animals are that you do want to move overseas absolutely shelter pets are great that's right (laughs) joy 94.9 vic bears is a social group for men in melbourne and beyond who identify as being part of the bear community if you're a down-to-earth guy looking for fun and like-minded men like yourself vic bears is the group for you from dinners to bowling camping to clubbing you're sure to find something to get your paws on log on to vicbears.org.au Did you know that Burma is still in the longest-running civil war in history? Did you know hundreds of thousands of people from ethnic minorities are currently displaced and suffer ongoing human rights abuse? ECHO International is a proud Australian volunteer, not-for-profit organisation that's spreading awareness and aiding displaced people on the Thai-Burma border. 100% of money raised goes direct to people in need to deliver education, support and empowerment to these underprivileged people. We're offering you the opportunity to make a real difference. Please visit echointernational.org.au to see how you can help. You're listening to Joy 94.9 and this is A Little Pot of Joy with Andrea and Alice. Up next from Technogaze, Hacked Hackers, a bit of Beeb and saucy QR codes. Rayanna, Mark and Michael look at the British PM's thoughts on banning strong encryption in the country. Many questions remain unanswered, including the impact on the economy. And in other news, the makers of RCS, the smartphone application designed to remotely turn on the phone's microphone and collect other data, which is used by many governments around the world, were hacked. You can listen to the entire podcast by downloading it from the Joy website, www.joy.org.au forward slash technogaze, or download it for free from the iTunes store. You're listening to A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. That's right, getting out geek on here on Technogaze on Joy 94.9, the show where we gaze into the world of consumer electronics, gadgets and technology. Hello, Michael. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. And we also have on the line, it's uh, Raina, hello. Hello. <laughs> uh, all the way over the other side of the ditch, of course. And, um, and my name is Mark. On Technogaze today... Uh, we're going to talk a bit about privacy and security. Um, there's the uh, a company. It's a company, isn't it? They they call themselves the hacking team. Have been hacked. Uh, yeah, yes. pretty significant. And too. it's not pretty. Mm. It is not pretty. Mm. Yes. Uh, British Prime Minister David Cameron wants to ban strong encryption. What? <laughs> All of it. All of it. <laughs> All the strong encryption. Just get rid of it. That's what he wants. Let's not have any encryption. I'm sure the banking system will work really well. Mm. Yeah, all that lovely e-commerce that people want to do. What a dope. What a dope. Um, like, he's sort of... You can see what he's trying to do. You know, he's like, oh, terrorism, oh, scary people, blah, blah, blah. But... Um, 
No. Yeah, Thank it, you. It doesn't really no. work, does it, when it actually stops legitimate business uh, from, from you know, doing its thing. If, if you say, oh, this level of encryption is no longer illegal or or we, we require this back door to be put in, in place, which is kind of it in itself doing that act defeats the purpose of the encryption. Mm. Uh, you know, what 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 is the end game here? Like, what are they trying to achieve? It's, it's like they just think it's, you know, government against tech. I don't think this has been thought out very well. I think it's well, a off-the-cuff remark. Mm. I, I, I do like that uh, Apple have... Um, yeah. You know, I think it's really weird. Like, it, it sounds like it would be off-the-cuff, but the thing is that was a response to a question in Question Time in Parliament. Mm. And it's not even the only time that he's said this. He's said this before in the past he said oh yeah all encryption bad very bad we ban all the encryption it's like bro hasn't anyone told you yet yeah but that's it i'm not sure that it's actually off the cuff i think he's just a bit of a dope really but you'd think he's have advisors then to pull him back well i guess if he said it several times why haven't they spoken to him or done something yeah you'd Mm. think so yeah um totally idiotic idea um you know it's it's not surprising it comes from the conservative side of politics so perhaps I don't know. I think um, there's a bit of a push from mm. uh, multiple sides. Mm. Yes. Okay, now, uh, what about this one? Scientists have created a hologram that you can actually touch. Tell me about this one. Yeah. This is pretty amazing. It's pretty cool. So it... it it is. It's um. It's sort of like a, a hologram in, in midair. It's made by lasers sort of intersecting and forming a hologram by concentrating the beams in the air, and the air gets heated and ionized, so it glows. It becomes plasma. Plus, um, obviously, you know, if you interrupt a laser beam, then it knows that you've put your finger there, so it sort of knows what you're touching. And you're not... You, you're kind of touching some very hot air, but you're not really touching an object. So that's how um, come you can, can feel it. You a, because you're touching well, the Well, yeah, that air. and... Well, yeah, that and you're touching some superheated air, which will burn you, so probably don't put your finger on it for too long. But if you give it a nice little tap or something, it can detect that something's going on, give you a little, you know, like it can turn a, an empty checkbox into a checked checkbox or, or something like that. Now, they've used a special laser, a very, very short laser, and which is measured in a unit of time that I've never heard of before, the femtosecond, which apparently is one quadrillionth of a second. Ugh. Which, wow. which is why this show goes for three point six by ten to the eighteenth power femtoseconds, yeah. which is one hour. <laughs> if you're a Facebook follower, you would so count that, wouldn't you? <laughs> one one thousand two one thousand. <laughs> you might have noticed the post that was posted in Facebook, uh, and that is a reveal right there. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> now, you're, this is Technogate here on Joy ninety four point nine, where we're covering some of the latest in tech, consumer electronics, gadgets. Uh, anything that goes beep, silicon, etc. We'll be back with more in a few moments. Technogaze. Talking tech here on Technogaze, and uh, this is the hacking segment. <laughs> what a, what a, um, you know, now that we've sort of talked about certain governments uh, wanting to bring away encryption or take it away from us. Uh, there's a hacking team in Milan. Uh, sorry, there's a team of people, a company, in fact, called the Hacking Team. Uh, based in Milan. Yes. They're not very well liked, they do are pretty they? Much, not at the moment. And and they do pretty much all the sorts of things that you'd think a security team ought to do, uh, you know, penetration testing and all that sort of stuff, but quite a few other gross things besides. They sell a product called uh, RCS, which is their remote control system product. 
that um, allow us to turn on microphones and smartphones remotely and oh, things yeah. like that, and they sell it to governments around the world. Yeah, and um, I Including, think... turns out, maybe Australia. Yeah. They've had a few, Allegedly. Well, they've had a few the sales f- meetings with Australian uh, law enforcement agencies. I don't think there's any official confirmation whether we've bought or not bought. Mm. I love the fact that, um, so in, in total, 415 gigabytes of data has been leaked online due to this hack, and their own Twitter feed has been used to actually disseminate that data. So it sounds like they've been completely Oops. owned. Yeah, I um, and I wonder why because you know their internal software, uh, sorry, not software, their internal security procedures you'd think would be fairly robust. <laughs> being a, a hacking company, well, I was actually reading the the article and um, it it talks about a particular uh, key person who's um, stored his passwords for various logins in like a, a, a text file called login.txt. That and the passwords themselves are really easily hackable. So, you know, things like password with an at in, instead of the, um, the a. a and, and an O instead of the R. Grown. You know. Yeah, it's like, uh, is this really like the top-notch security firm that's used by governments all around the world? Like, really? I mean, I've been known to do that for temporary, you know, mm. just tiny little sort of snippets of things, but not, not for... A permanent password. Yeah, like, that's ridiculous. It's um, interesting. It's I, wonder, I wonder who's hacked them. Well, they, uh, the name of the person, there was, oh, it wasn't actually a name of a person. It was some, I, th- I think it was just a, a, a yeah, a pseudonym. Yeah. There's, um, there, look, there have been a lot of complaints. Phine- Phineas Freaker, wasn't it? <laughs> Phineas Fogg. <laughs> Phineas Freaker. <laughs> There's, uh, yeah. You know, one, one of the things um, is that, you know, the software that they, that they, um, Cell also can gather your WhatsApp conversations and web connections and stuff like that, and they're selling. And they're selling. You know, some of their customers are those countries that have got really bad uh, human rights records. Hmm. Mm. A, it's surprising because, um, particularly the mention of WhatsApp conversations, um, that's often been that's been cited as one of the more secure uh, chat platforms around. Oddly enough, even though it's owned by by Facebook, apparently it's it's quite a secure um, platform. In, in that it was built by originally by someone who came from the Soviet Russia uh, era mm. and um, and uh, has... He's very know, much aware. Well, well, yeah, at that point in time was quite aware. And they've also made steps recently to include a, um, a PGP option for emailing uh, uh, users through okay. WhatsApp as well. So um, the fact that that is one of the apps that this particular hacking company can use to or can can get into is is quite surprising i think i think it's a little bit like you know having a keyboard locker logger on your computer and no matter how secure it is mm. if you're inside the the smartphone itself already yeah then you know yeah. we can get to anything yeah yeah now also mm. on um on hacking and so forth uh, adobe has confirmed a flash vulnerability uh, found yes. via the hacking team leak, in fact. So uh, the same leak has actually um, made some public information around what might be wrong with your Adobe Flash installation. So the hacking team, the company that sells this software, knew about the vulnerability and was obviously using it to their advantage. Yes. <laughs> and that's how And now everybody else can too. <laughs> Yay. So this is quite serious. It's a pro- There's a proof of concept that's roaming around the uh, the interwebs um, that makes use of this exploit 
Uh, it's a flash file that is able to open uh, on a Windows computer, calc.exe, which is a pretty benign app in right. itself. But the fact that it can open that app is like actually just cause it, it to what, just it can run up. executable. Yeah, it, it sounds pretty, yeah. pretty dangerous. Like that's, that's It is. And there's the, this isn't the only vulnerability that they found. So there was another vulnerability that they found in Windows. Now, this, this flash vulnerability is for any platform. But specifically to this one in, in Windows, there's another vulnerability that lets people get admin privileges. So oh. if you've got both of those vulnerabilities uh, at hand, then you can do some pretty evil stuff. Yeah. Um, Mm, flash. But, I mean, it, it, it seems like there's another flash vulnerability every week anyway. So, of course, when I heard this, I was like, oh, here we go again. Mm. You, you often don't really think of flash as being particularly um, particularly safe to use, do you? Like, it's, it's just it's assumed not it's, it's full of holes. <laughs> mm. And, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's probably good that we're uh, all moving away from it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like Swiss cheese. Yep. You've been listening to A Little Pot of Joy on Joy 94.9 with Alice and Andrea. You can find more of the complete podcasts on the JOY website, www.joy.org.au, or download them for free from the iTunes store. You've been listening to A Little Pot of JOY, the podcast program. See joy.org.au and click on our podcast link to subscribe to your favourite podcasts free. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.